Welcome to The Parenting Breakdown. I am your host, Rachel. And I'm your co-host, Matt. And I also happen to be Rachel's husband. (laughs) That's right, you do. And we are so excited to have our first episode here today. Amazing. So excited to be here with you folks. Rachel, tell the people a little bit about yourself. So I am a parenting educator, a parenting coach. I work with people individually and in groups. And I also do a lot of training and workshops for parents and educators at some of the most high pressure competitive schools in the country. I'm deep in the world of talking about how kids are doing, which is very related to how parents are doing. And we hope that some of what we have to share in these episodes help you to feel a little more ease in your parenting, just a teeny bit. That's amazing. I think even 5% more ease would be awesome. Yeah. Why don't you introduce yourself to the good people? Thank you, Rachel. Hi, everyone. My name is Matt. I am an executive coach. Right now, I work with leaders and managers who are just really trying to figure out how they can be the best version of themselves. And when it comes to parenting, it's kind of what I wake up trying to think every day. How can I be the best version of myself as a parent? And so the opportunity to to do this with Rachel and to delve into these topics, which we think about and talk about all the time, is just like the most fantastic opportunity. It's it, the dream. it is. It's great. It's yeah. something that I truly love and Truly love doing it with you. I truly love doing it with you too. And we definitely have lots of juicy stuff to explore. And so, Rachel, why don't you tell the folks, why is this podcast named Parenting Breakdown? Well, parenting in our culture is not really working for folks. We're going to be exploring that because those breakdowns affect our day-to-day lives and the decisions we make. And I'm a social worker, so I think of everything as within context, right? A person within the context of their environment, of their larger society. And so we are going to be connecting how we are struggling in our day-to-day lives and the larger culture we live in. And the way we're going to explore those connections is through listener questions and real-life scenarios. And on that tip, Rach. Why don't you let the audience know what our first question of the day is going to be? Yeah, let's get into it. In thinking about this first episode, I kept reflecting on conversation I had with a parent in one of my mindful parenting groups who really struggled with postpartum depression and anxiety when she had her first child. And she still carries a lot of guilt and a lot of shame about those days because she had been reading all of these books about how postpartum depression and anxiety can impact attachment with your baby and was just plagued by by those. Those seems like terrible books. Oh, yes. I mean, there's so many rules. There's so much, so much pressure on new moms, right? On new parents to not mess up your kid from day one. And it can feel just so like suffocating. And so she still carries around guilt and her child is now six. And when her child is having a tough moment, like refusing to eat dinner or not wanting to get their pajamas Amazon, right? These very typical everyday kid moments. She finds herself going into these thoughts of like, oh my God, is this a direct result of that postpartum period? Did I mess up this kid? Mm. Is this all my fault? And what I wanted to explore with you today is her question of how do I not pass on my anxiety, my fears, my rage? How do I not just project that onto my kids? Yeah, and it's interesting because when you say that to me, what really comes to my mind is how can I make different choices as a parent 
than maybe what I saw growing. Yeah. Um, and how can we parent our kids in a way that's filled with love that also allows them to be their beautiful, wonderful selves and not dump our shit on top of them? Yeah. Well, what's that like for you, Rachel? Because I know that yeah. this sounds yeah. familiar. You've never witnessed me in that state, right? Maybe once or <laughs> infinite times. Infinite times. And you will continue to because we are human. And that's one main thing I want to say to this community is that the goal of what we're here to talk about with folks week after week is not about how to parent perfectly. It's not about the three steps or the five steps. It's about how to parent more consciously more expansively how to have more compassion yeah with in ourselves people always are saying to me i feel like a failure as a mom wow that's intense oh you're a mom you've already had a kid that's like you've done it you've done the thing yes that's one of the things that come up all the time in my conversations these incredibly thoughtful amazing women that when their kid is having a moment when their kid is not listening perfectly they feel like it is their fault they are a failure They have ruined their kid. Their kid doesn't love them. Well, that's a real gift of the patriarchy towards dads (laughs) because the bar is so low because I never feel that way. I never feel that way. I can show up and (laughs) hold my kid's hand across the street and I can see an approving nod across the way being like, yeah, I know. I know. I can see that the expectations of me as as a dad is really just parachute in. With some good jokes. Yeah. The expectations are much different on moms. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you end up saying to that mom? Well, this was not a one-time conversation or a quick answer, right? Right. This question of how to not pass on the shame and the anxiety was really about investigating this mindset that, that kept this mom so stuck. Yeah. Just getting to know what does it sound like when those guilty thoughts, those shame-filled thoughts come up? What does that feel like in your body? Where did we learn these ideas that we're supposed to be perfect? Where did they get handed down from? Learning to recognize those stress responses so we don't just keep repeating them over and over. Well, and the reality is that when you start to just make different choices every day, every day, every day, Eventually, it stops feeling like a choice and it it does start to feel more instinctual. It's building a muscle, right? And so I do think that that's what the work is about. There's no like arriving. There's no like, oh, how do I just get rid of this anxiety and fix it and not have it plague me? We don't get rid of those things. We just learn to relate to them differently. Well, it's funny when you're saying that what brings to my mind is almost every single time we do bedtime with our youngest kid Mm. and how it's these marathon sessions better now, but not great. And just this sense of while I'm doing it, that he actually will never go to sleep, (laughs) even though I know like he, he is going to go to like, this will pass. Right. Like that is like the most sage advice that, and it feels so trite on some level, but whatever crisis you're dealing with it, we get through it somehow. Yeah. But in that moment, it's hard, right? I, I just feel like I'm so aware of that that anxiety. And yet I'm yeah. making a choice to not escalate it because I know in that moment, if I start to take it out on him or if I start to freak out, then it's almost like you're creating, there's a problem that you have and then there's the next problem you're creating. Sure. And then yeah, it's like- Co-escalating. How, oh, they, happens, look right? at that. See? <laughs> yeah. like a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Back to what you said before about this is all about decisions, but how do we make the decisions that will actually serve us, right? right? And anxiety, rage, whatever those feelings are, 
they take us into a state of mind where we're not set up to make good decisions about what's best for us or our kids or our relationships. And when I'm in that moment of feeling that rage start to build, I can start to almost watch that anger in me rise. And then, yeah, and then it's like making a choice. And it sounds such it sounds so strange to say, but it's like just to let it flow through me and then just watch it leave and then be like, I just have to show up and be present here and be with this kid and have faith that it's going to happen. Well, there's the parts of you that are screaming, this is never going to end. I can't do this. All those parts of you that are the fight or flight anxious responses. And then there are other parts of us, the wise parts, yeah. the the parts that do believe in ourselves, that do feel like, okay, we can get through it. And I think you are so good at talking and living in ways that support those other parts of us. And I think that this community can support each other in building up those other parts. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm glad that you're saying that, Rachel, because when we think about this podcast, yeah. what I think we're trying to do is actually create a community of folks looking to have some more support and looking for other people that are in the struggle. Yeah. We want to build the muscle of turning towards those harsh voices Yeah. so we can process them instead of just repeating them. Well, how does it feel for you then, Rachel? Yeah. The question that I was talking about before brought me back to our experience after we had our first kid, mm -hmm. which was incredibly hard for me. Do you remember that? I do. <laughs> that you say incredible. And I was like, well, incredibly hard. Yes. Incredibly hard. Yes. Yeah. I was so haunted by all of the ideas that I should be like exhausted, but blissfully walking around with this new baby. And I just was like, how did I get here? And how am I ever going to survive this? And right. And I knew all those steps and it still didn't make <laughs> yeah, a difference. Well, that's what we were talking about. The happiest baby on the block book right. and all these books that I was obsessively reading because I just. You did. I do remember that. You were uh, highlighting them. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because it felt so out of control, so isolated and so alone. Like I remember being on the subway and just looking at all these people and being like, they were babies once. They grew up. Like we can do this. People do this. Sounds like I thought you'd have in your high. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was exhausted. I was in it. I was also reading a lot about the impact of sleep deprivation oh, wow. and I was worried I wasn't going to survive it. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. It really was. Yeah. And I remember being really freaked out because you were freaked out. Of and course. so it's a hard thing of when course. you're like, all right, let's make sure we keep this little creature going. And then also make sure that, you know, you're kind of doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Like you got to be okay too. And obviously you were able to get the help and support that you needed to make it through that. Yeah. And then everything worked out easy. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, Is that right? Oh, no, no, no. No, but I do think that parenting in our culture feels that way because we don't have a village. I remember having this deep longing for support. I really wanted my mom and my, my mom at that point was in the throes of Alzheimer's disease and was not able to be there to stay with us and support us, right? And that's the whole thing about really being taken care of by community, having people that can take shifts to support the new baby, the new family, because it is so hard. And so many of us don't have that. This idea that it's the two of us in this little house in these nuclear families, that is so recent. It is an aberration. Yeah. I remember during that time, that I felt so lost, so confused, and just wanted wisdom of people that had been through it. Like, everything's okay. This is what babies do. Sometimes babies don't sleep. Sometimes babies have colic. Sometimes babies don't latch. 
right? As opposed to when we don't have that village and we just have the books that instead of reassuring you, it's the rigid voice that says, well, if you want your baby to sleep, this is what you're supposed to do. I think it just fuels that kind of anxiety and harshness on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you, Matt? What does this question bring up for you? Well, I'm not going to pass on perfectionism because that's not how I'm wired. But when I think about my childhood, there's so much that I think about what happened to me as a kid that I don't want to repeat, that Mm -hmm. I don't want my kids to experience. And every day I wake up and try to take actions to make sure that that happens. When I think about how I was raised, my parents did an amazing job. And of course, even within that, there are things that I struggled with as a parent to let go. And for one thing, uh, you know, my dad growing up, my folks were divorced and my dad was a yeller and he's a, he's really mellowed out in his old age in a way that's beautiful. And he's just like an amazing grandfather. And it's great for me to see. But as a kid, he was like the scary dad and he yelled a lot. Right. And I really remembered a lot of it was he yelled because whatever he asked me, I didn't do it right away. And then he would get frustrated and yell. And I think when I got older, I'd start yelling back at him and it wasn't really great. No one really likes to be yelled at. And he, you know, I think felt frustrated. He was a single dad raising me. So, you know, there was a lot there. And so when I came to having kids and part of me, you know, why I felt so strong and passionate about it was, yeah, like I could give you a book length review of all the ways in which I felt fucked up as a kid because of decisions my parents made, even as they were trying their best. And Mm -hmm. I, and I know that in my heart that they both did and, and loved me down to their souls. Even within that, You know, there were so many decisions that were made that didn't feel like they were in my best interest. And I think that's the vision that I have of being a parent and a dad is how can we create an environment that is in our kids' Mm -hmm. best interest so they can allow them to be themselves? Because Mm -hmm. I think for me, the hardest part was I think there was parts of my personality that just didn't form or were really late to form because I wasn't really able to do that because I was really worried and I was really anxious. And there was a lot of other shit that I was just trying to hold up the world. And I couldn't really be a kid. And so that's my approach now as a parent, which is how can I let these kids, you know, have a different experience that I did and see what happens, right? Yeah. Yeah. What you're speaking to is building a different type of culture in our home, you know, different than what you grew up with. And I'm really committed to that too. And it's hard work, but it's possible. And I see that in you every day. You're really conscious of how you bring yourself into parenting. And again, it's not about perfect, but it's about intentional. So we are so happy to be in this journey with you and we really want to get your feedback. And obviously today's our first episode, so we don't have any listener questions. But moving forward, you can reach us at parentingbreakdown at gmail.com. We will be responding to those questions on these podcasts. Rachel will be able to bring her wisest self to it. And I will be there right along with her to <laughs> give her support as she does it. You're pretty wise. <laughs> I too, appreciate Matt. that. Thank you. Wise Thank you. Yes, please do reach out to us. And I love what you said before, Matt, about creating new community in order to parent the way that we want to parent in order to feel less stressed and overwhelmed and look at the stats right now about kids and anxiety. We need to make changes. Are they good? Yeah, they're awesome. No, they're terrible. (laughs) Okay. What are they? (laughs) Well, the reason that I started to work with high achieving schools is when over a decade ago now, when I was introduced to the research that the late Sunya Luthar conducted, 
that showed that young people in high achieving communities have like three to seven times the rates of anxiety, depression, substance use. What so is not only mean? does money not buy you happiness, it makes your kids sad, basically. <laughs> well, I think that the pressure cooker environment, there's a right way to live. There's a right way to be. That's the same thing that led to my postpartum anxiety and depression. And that led to this parent that I was talking to, right, is this sense of like, there's a right way and a wrong way. And if I do things the right way, I have value and I'm a capable, competent person. If I do things the wrong way, I don't and I'm a failure. And so this really rigid way of thinking, kids are suffering from it. And we're suffering as parents from it. Yeah. All right, we're back and we're going to do a segment that we want to do every week, which is to share a parenting highlight of the week and a teachable moment or lesson from the week. And we really would love to hear from you all for this. So when you're sending us your questions, also feel free to shoot us a highlight of your week, something you feel proud of, something you feel good about, and also a teachable moment, a lesson. They're always there. When I think about highlights, for me, it's really not like the big things, right? Because those big moments are few and far between. But really, most highlights during the week are really, really small, not necessarily an action that your kids did, but rather how you showed up in a way that you felt good about. So I'll start, give folks an example. And the highlight for me this week was not losing my shit. And I'll tell tell you why. (laughs) So, you know, I talked before about growing up in a home where there was some yelling, there was a little bit of instability, and I've worked really hard to not replicate that in my house. But it's not always easy. And it's not always easy when you're a parent and sometimes your kids do things that really can be frustrating. And the only sensible response would be to lose your shit. I mean, that is sometimes (laughs) that is just true. And you can't, right? Because I don't want to be someone's memory someday, right? Mm -hmm. You never know like what your moment's going to be that's going to turn up in a therapy session 30 years from now. And for me this week, it was something that was so small. You know, it's the holiday times this season with Halloween. There are lots of pumpkins everywhere. And my nine-year-old son was had a small pumpkin that he was just throwing up in the air because what's more fun to do in the house than throw up a pumpkin and see if you can catch it. And was and, and he j- does this with everything. He's sh- constantly throwing everything sure. up in the air and trying to catch it. Yes. And he and I was doing something different. And he said, Can I throw it to you? And I said, No, no, not right now. I'm I, I don't f- forget what I was doing. Something in, something very important though. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> and 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 I was doing the other thing. And then all of a sudden, I just felt like an anvil dropped on my foot. And I looked at it and sure enough, my son threw the pumpkin at me and it broke off on my foot. Like the, the stem of the pumpkin just happened just to land right on my <laughs> foot and broke off. And it was incredibly painful. Oh. And I had one second before just said, please, let's don't throw it at me. And of course, that suggestion was ignored. And so in that moment, I really just wanted to scream mm. at him. Not even at him, just scream in general, because I just I felt well, hurt. at him, I'm sure. Sure, I, I was a little bit ignored. Yeah, know? it was like, this is why you do <laughs> this is why you this is why you listen to your father. 
<laughs> that's what I that's what I really wanted to say. Yeah. But I didn't. Instead, I went to the other room and I let out the biggest silent scream that mm. I've ever let out. And he mm. fell awful because you know, he is such a sweet kid and it did not want to hurt me at all. And then I came back and we had a little moment about it. And I just said, Hey buddy, that's why we don't want to throw pumpkins when people aren't listening. And he's like, I got it. I was like, great. And that was, and that worked out great. Well, when you were sharing this with me, one of the things that we talked about was like you not losing it in that moment allowed him to to focus on that he felt badly. Right. And he, right. Because right? we want to like teach a lesson in the moment. But what that actually does, and I, I know I have vivid memories of this as a kid. Once your parent looks at you with that rage and starts yelling, you are immediately in fight or flight yourself. Right. So you are immediately either feeling terrified or furious and defensive. So you not yelling at him in that moment and walking away allowed for him to get in touch with his empathy so he can actually be like, oh my God, I just like did something that hurt dad. Right. And so then he felt badly and you came back in and, and you were able to have a conversation with him about like a reminder that this impulse control situation, which is what it is, right? He's nine. His prefrontal cortex is not fully developed. He has a hard time with impulse control as do most kids. And that's something to work on. But that was just a much more effective response. I thought I was really struck by that. That idea of giving space for your kids to have their own response. Because I think I didn't even, that didn't even cross my mind. Well, to have the response that you actually are hoping yeah, to have, which yeah, is like compassion yeah, and empathy. Yeah, totally. They're not going to have that totally. if they are just like, that's why like timeouts or sending them to their room, right? Go think about what you did. And it's like, right. they're not thinking about what they did. They're right. sitting there thinking about how unfair you are right. and how upset they are with right. you or how much they hate you. And so we're not actually teaching them anything or right. building any skills. We're just exacting revenge or we're just right <laughs> exactly. on them. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I love that. I love that story. I'm glad you yeah. shared that with folks. Excellent. And I feel like you also have a really good teachable moment this week. <laughs> that I got to witness. Yeah. Yeah. This, was, was, one. this one was a little bit more challenging as it was a teachable moment. So I could wish I could ever redo, but not it. But I don't know what your homes are like. It, ours in the morning is a little bit chaotic. There's lunches that are being made. We're trying to get out the door. All we want to do is get the children out the door. Mm. Really, that's all we want mm. to do. He's, both of them get to school. Well, they both get to school. Please, that's the big please. victory. And in this moment, I was probably making lunch, doing six things. And our big guy started talking to me about wanting to not wear long pants or long sleeve shirt, even though it was probably freezing outside. It wasn't freezing. Let's, let's not be too. It was probably 50 degrees outside. Fair enough. I made the gut call at that moment. He started explaining to me why I was wrong. And I started explaining to him why he was wrong. Voices were rising. Voices were rising. And then as this was happening, our five-year-old little dude who's autistic started to get really upset because he's very sensitive to noise and emotions and, and emotions. And he can, he's like a superhero. He can just sense <laughs> the vibes in a room and the vibes were not good. Vibes were not good. And so as he started freaking out, I got frustrated and basically said to him, listen, you can't do that, man. You can't get upset with your brother. Or you can't get like upset that. with your brother. Like just exp explain to you in common sense terms that you'll get it. And <laughs> Dear listeners, that was a mistake because then every single person in the family roasted me 
almost immediately, I feel like you stepped into that time and shot me a look like, what are you doing? Little dude started freaking out. And then the big guy turned to me and goes, you're going to have a parenting podcast, <laughs> which was, <laughs> which was, you know, it I appreciated the roast good. and yeah, I wish well, I could I, go back. Tell me what I did wrong. Yeah. No, no, no. This is, let's be clear. This, this teachable moment. Yes segment yes. is not about beating ourselves up. Okay. It's about, it's actually about normalizing that, right? It's about saying that there is no such thing as perfect parenting. That's not the goal here. So teachable moments, lessons of the week are just us becoming more aware of what's going on for us in a given moment, right? And just making that part of the conversation. We don't have to hold on to some precious version of ourselves. So what okay. should I have so done anyway, get all, Well, I think he, little guy, because he also was very literal, was like, I can't get upset. I can't. Yes, I can. I can have my feelings. And I'm like, yes, you can. I think I said, like, Matt, you can't tell him not to have his feelings. That's about exactly this. what you said. He can have his feelings. It's up to us how we respond to those feelings. But he can have his feelings. And that's what Big Kid said, too. Got like very defensive of his brother. You know, you can't say that to him. Right? It's great. I'm glad I could become the common enemy that the family could unite. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that the value we have in our family is around being able to express your feelings and that we have limits to how you express them, but having the space to express them. So I think that's what we were all responding to. So I don't even think it's like you should have done something differently. I think it's more, I don't know, my question is more like, how are you relating to yourself about that moment? Mm. I mean... Listen, I think I'm pretty forgiving of myself. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's good for you to talk about this, because I don't know if I've ever met anyone that's quite as forgiving of themselves as you are. It's a, so it's, what does that sound like? Because right. I know that I have to work very hard, very hard every day to be forgiving and compassionate with myself. And I'm sure many of the listeners feel that way and write us and tell us how you feel about it. But you don't. So let's hear. How did you talk to yourself about that? I mean, listen, I think that I know how much work and effort that I put in every day and being a dad and you're not going to be a hundred percent. There are going to things that you say, like in any relationship that you wish you could have back. And so in this case, yeah, it was not ideal. I think that my instinct was coming from a good place, but obviously it was not the delivered in the right way or at the right time. Clearly when a child is upset, telling them that they shouldn't be upset <laughs> can't have their probably is not a very good. Especially a child that's going to really take that seriously and, and be. Now you know. I feel even worse. Great. So this is now, now I'm going to actually <laughs> think about it. He's not carrying it with him. I, I am not carrying it with me. Listen. It's no, no, a, no. We, our child is not carrying oh, it Oh, good. I'm yeah. glad. I'm, that makes two of us because neither am I. Because <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying my best. I'm showing up in, in, in good faith every day and these moments happen. Right. And so yes. I know that there was nothing that's so big that you can't get over. Right. And this was just a moment in time. We'll, we'll get through it next time. We'll figure out a way to do. It. Yes. And also when we have these moments after they're over and the dust settles, being able to say, so what was actually going on with me then, right? What was like the need that wasn't being met or the expectation right. that wasn't being met? What was happening that led to that? And I think for us, it is this larger conversation that needed to be had with our big kid about the clothes because it was starting to happen every morning, right? So we were able to have a conversation we needed to have because I think a really important practice is like instead of walking around feeling shame and guilt after we do something, whether it's little or big, 
is to move through those feelings and then be able to be like, okay, so why did I do that? What was going on? Right. And what, what do I maybe need to talk about with my kid or do differently so we don't keep getting into this pattern, right? All of these teachable moments are so important because they show us some shifts we need to make or conversations we need to have or needs that need to be met. And yeah. that's the only way we're going to figure it out sometimes is by going through some messiness. Well, thank you for your support as always through this. And I appreciate you dropping these gems on us because it's true, right? I, I, I feel you. And I think that we are going to continue to work through it and this stuff always comes up and we're just going to have to keep showing up as our best selves and allowing people the space and the grace to fuck up sometimes. Absolutely. That's for sure. So send us your thoughts, send us your reflections at parentingbreakdown at gmail.com. And we love to hear from you and figure out how to incorporate what you all saying into the show that we're doing. That's right. So email us there. All right. On that note, that brings us to the end of the inaugural episode. Rachel, I know this is going to be hard for you because you're always the person at parties that can never leave and always wants to <laughs> talk true. to 17 people before we say goodbye. Oh, such, yeah. But yeah, I know, true. but this is a good exercise because we're going to say goodbye to the listeners, but we're going to do oh, one more thing. No, <laughs> but we're going to, we're going to see them again next week or hear yes, from them again yes, next week. Wonderful. Yes. I love a week. So you can, you can, we can let go. Does that feel okay? You feel um, like- that's one of my growing edges. I'm going to work on it. Yeah. Thank you folks for tuning in. We can't wait to hear from you and we will see See you next week. Bye. Parenting Breakdown is a Clamor Audio production distributed by the Cloud 10 Network. Hosted and executive produced by me, Rachel Hennis. And me, Matt Borden. Executive produced by Aaron Hilliard. Clamor General Manager, Rich Statter. Associate Producer, Ethan Aronson. Post-production supervised by Devin Ruskin. Production assistant, Samara Malik. Special thanks to Sim Sarna and Saiba Krieger at Cloud10. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.